0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be the most productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my monthly live training. My next live training will be happening on Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern. I'm going to be talking about planning your day, the why. And the how. You could register by clicking the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, MrProductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, Mr Productivity. On the show today, I'm welcoming back Molly McLaughlin from Sleep is a Skill. She delivered so much value on her first appearance. I wanted her to come back and share more about sleep. On this show, we're going to talk about consistency, being king to your sleep. We're also going to talk about insomnia, thought timing, rabbit holes, what you can do if you can't sleep, hypersomnia, and how she responds to people telling her, I'll sleep When I'm dead. Another great interview with Molly McLaughlin. Molly, welcome back to the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me back for part two. I'm very excited to dive in.
0: Yeah, Molly was my guest back on episode 516 on March 20th, 2020. And we talked about melatonin, sleep architecture, sleep tracking, naps, and getting too much sleep. And we will cover a little bit of that on the show today. But if you want to hear all she had to say about that stuff, I'll link it up in the show notes. You can go back and listen to the last episode because it was so incredible. I said, Molly, I got to have you back because you are a sleep- expert and you told me before we started recording that you had been on 60 podcasts since my your appearance on mine and it's all has to do with COVID because when you were on my show last time COVID really wasn't a thing yet
1: oh yeah it wasn't really a thing yet um and it has just been wild the number of people that are having difficulties with sleep uh the amount of traffic that comes to our uh site uh just Consistently saying, you know, because we'll have people fill out sleep assessments and say, "How long have you been dealing with this?" Um, and this has been the the biggest uptick of people that it's more recent, like, you know, within under a year, and really very much COVID related and related to a number of uncertainties, uh, changes also in schedule. So from a place that might uh, counterintuitively be a little confusing because if we uh, had been used to having those nine to fives for so long, and then suddenly we can kind of self-regulate with remote work uh, while it might have an uptick in total sleep in the beginning, then we find that people start to have really imbalances with consistency in sleep. Um, you know, and so a, uh, uh, pairing that with financial insecurities, um, uncertainties, I mean, that's just enough to keep a lot of people up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's interesting is, you know, since I had you on my show, I've been really conscious about making sure I get enough sleep. On February 4th of this year, I had joined the 5 a.m. club. So I get up every morning at 5 a.m. Now you can't stay up until 1 a.m. and get up at 5 a.m. Okay. You you got to go to bed early. And so what I try to do is screens off by 8.30. I try to be in bed by nine thirty, Okay. And what I find out happening is I, is I screens off at eight thirty. I go brush my teeth. I sit down and I have a 40 watt yellow light bulb right next to my nightstand. And I read because you shouldn't have bright lights because you want to cut yeah. off the light when you go into bed. And I'm finding out is I can't read for 45 minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's 15 minutes. My body goes, Oh, he's picking up a print book, not a, not a book on a Kindle, a print book. This is our sign to get ready for bed. And I'm usually in bed before nine. And it, my body just naturally adapted because my body knows, Hey, he's going to get up at five, no matter what time we fall asleep. So we better go to bed early. And so I'm getting plenty of sleep now. And it's great.
1: That's amazing. I love hearing that. That literally brings me so much joy. It's ridiculous. Um, and yeah, the the first of all, from a context shift, um, I've had a number of clients come through literally after reading uh, the five a m club um, and so get or getting connected to that um, concept of being part of that five am club. and but then to your point, struggling. I love the idea of how the mornings could look, but if we don't nail the nights, uh, (laughs) then it doesn't quite look that way. Uh, So it's a really complex um, interplay because also how we spend our mornings can impact our ability to consistently get tired at the same time at night. Um, So it's an interesting uh, area to dive into because then once people, if they're really committed, like you know, yourself, uh, it can really be a, a life-changing endeavor to go from I've had the seen night owls um or self-proclaimed night owls, you know, usually waking up, say, at like 10 30, 11, and moving to, you know, maybe a 5 a.m. club or even a 6 a.m. club. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any of that can really be a big shift in how your how your days look and how your days look is how your life looks. So
0: mm-hmm. well, the book is uh, Robin Sharma, the the 5 a.m. Yep. club. So if you want to know the author, now let's talk about consistency because one of the things I've been talking for a long time is our bodies love consistency. And a lot of people like before COVID were going to bed at the reasonable hours Sunday through Thursday and they'd stay up real late on Friday and Saturdays and sleep in late on Saturdays and Sundays. And then they try to get back on schedule on Monday. And I think we might've touched about this, a touch on this when the first time you were on the show is your body likes consistency. So there's no such thing as catching up on sleep, okay? I think you brought that up in the last episode, but the body likes consistency, right? So if you can go to bed every night at nine and get up every morning at five o'clock, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 366 during leap years, your body is really
1: gonna love that, right? Oh, yeah. The consistency is huge. Consistency is king in the world of sleep. And it can be frustrating for people when they get um, certain sleep trackers and then they start really getting attuned to this. And some of the algorithms for like the quote unquote scores that you might uh, wake up to every morning can uh, really be a real pun intended, wake-up call for many people because what they'll do in those algorithms um, for many of them is pull previous night's data Mm -hmm. um, so that the experience that you wake up with in the morning is not necessarily dependent just on the night before but kind of a stacking of all those prior nights um, you know, leading up to that. And so it gives us a bit more of a level of responsibility of how we're managing our sleep. It's not just like, oh, I've been running myself down. Let me go to bed early, get up late type of thing. Because unfortunately Unfortunately, sleep doesn't quite seem to work like that when we extend it because then things get thrown off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our sleep architecture, as we spoke about in part one, um, really can get impacted. And so I will say there um, the body is really uh pulls for homeostasis so it's so desperately wants sleep which if any of you are dealing with short sleep or difficulty maintaining your sleep it was really comforting for me to get to when i when i was dealing with insomnia um to start to really get in my bones that the body does actually want sleep and while it might be disrupted right now it's going to do everything possible to get that um but even from that place, you know, it's it's something for us to remember that that consistency is really, really paramount. Because when we go to bed a bit later than we normally do, then we are risking um, impacting our deep sleep part of that first part of the architecture. And if we lob off the mornings and wake up early, um, then we're risking the REM state, the rapid eye movement, which is important for kind of cognition. So there's a lot of uh, things that can go awry if we start Playing with that bedtime, wake time too much?
0: I will tell you that most nights, probably about four or five mornings, I don't need my alarm. So I have an alarm set on my Apple watch for 5 AM. And most times I get up like four 55, which is good because that means my body's used to rolling out of bed, but I will tell you, cause I want to talk to you. I want you to talk to us about insomnia in a few minutes, but uh, I want to talk about anxiety, stress, fighting with your kids, your spouse. Don't do that in the first, in the last couple hours. Uh, I've done this a couple times with my wife and I can't sleep for a couple hours. I'm tossing and turning. And so if I feel an argument coming on, I said, look, let's just table this for tomorrow because I know that if I get in any kind of anxiety, it's going to prevent me going to sleep. A prime example, this last Saturday, we had car problems and we... You had to get a, a mechanic come to the church parking lot to help us get our car in the gear to go home. So that's kind of stressful. So even though I was really, really tired on Saturday night, I couldn't go to sleep until about, I think, eleven, eleven thirty because I was stressed. And people don't realize if you're stressed, you had a fight, you had a near miss or a collision, you got a parking ticket. All that stuff is going to affect you going to sleep. Am I right?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I love that you have that. Um kind of awareness and then the power to uh, personal power to then shift it. Okay, this is not serving me these type of conversations, these thought patterns, um, and then end being cognizant of, okay, I had a bit of a higher stress day than normal. Um, And then how can we manage all that? So we put it in the category of thought timing. And for thought timing, it's just starting to see which is super interesting, because then sometimes um, there might be even what we call like positive stress, or, um, you know, so what that can look like is, there might be something on the horizon. You might have something coming up that's exciting. Or you Oh, know, Christmas. No, I stress. can't sleep.
0: The, when I was a kid, we all remember the night before Santa Claus came. No kid could sleep. I mean, melatonin, Benadryl, nothing worked because you're excited. And I'm the same yes. way. If I'm going to go, if you say, hey, we're going to go to Disney World tomorrow, I can't sleep the night before. I don't care how much I prepare because of the event.
1: Yes, exactly. And so it's even like that anticipatory anxiety, but from a, you know, it's it which can be very confusing because for so long, so much of my life, it didn't necessarily look like that type of stress. It was more just like that, oh, the sky is falling type of stress. So so the fact that there can actually be that, and that's more what I see for myself in my life now. So, but that's a real uh, big one for so much of, um, uh, particularly when I deal with entrepreneurs and they might have some new ideas or excitement and run some, you know, um, there's that. So one, being cognizant of that excitement. So sometimes we'll have the tendency. I'll see clients kind of go down the rabbit hole. Um, following, they have this idea, and then all of a sudden they're they're on their smartphone until four in the morning, doing the whole thing. Um, and then of course the interactions. If we have a partner, um, I've had clients that it just so happened that the way their schedule is currently set up, that the only real time that they had to talk about, you know, the kids and bills and all that stuff, was you know within that hour and a half oh. or so before bed, <laughs> which really. It didn't work. So we actually had to, you know, kind of shift around their calendar, put in predisposed times for them to, you know, just kind of work those things through, which sounds so basic. Of course, when you're hearing someone else talk about it, Mm -hmm. but we have our own blind spots and we don't even notice that that's the new created structure that wasn't said. Um, It just kind of goes like that. So yeah, really being able to be attuned to that. And it's such a skill set. I do think there's so much power too in having. Um, if you do have a partner that's there to see, you know our tendencies, because I'll do that stuff too. I I have the tendency to go into all the worst thoughts before bed, like the <laughs> worst personal thoughts, like why are you going there? And yet, so I'll be able to have, thankfully, you know, my boyfriend to be kind of a, a sounding board to. Be, how is this serving before sleep? (laughs) Hello, thought timing. Um, So that can be really useful. But if we don't have that other partner there with us, which certainly happens as well, um, then really being able to, it's kind of almost acts as that mindfulness process of um, being able to spot ourselves. Oh, here I go again. And that familiar record player of you know, stress or what have
0: you. Yeah. I wonder how many people listening to this know what a record player is. If you're younger, Mm. um, yes, good point.
1: (laughs) It's, it's,
0: I remember record players. I was, you know, I was a radio DJ back in the day, back in the eighties when there was records.
1: Oh, you have the voice for that. Okay. Got Everyone it. says wow. that.
0: My wife calls me Johnny Jocko. So sometimes we're in the car, a song will come on and I'll be Johnny Jocko putting it. She, she loves that. Um, anyway, That's
1: amazing. <laughs>
0: speaking of rabbit holes, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's go back and talk about insomnia because I think insomnia, insomnia is something that I think people, they they kind of like know what it is, but they're not sure what it is. So tell us yeah. what is an um, insomnia and, and tell us, you know, I I guess there's different levels because you just can't like, I'm going to get rid of insomnia. I, I just, you just can't flip a switch. So first tell us, tell us what insomnia is.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, when we're talking about insomnia, if we just have a one-off night of poor sleep, uh, that might not necessarily, you know, fall into that same domain of, uh, true and particularly chronic insomnia. So there might be an acute, um, period of insomnia. Uh, that's particularly what I went through for a bunch of, you know, months in a row while traveling internationally. Um, and, you know, so you kind of have kind of that acute bout, but then you can also have a really chronic bout. And what that can look like is, you know, two to three times a week with really difficulties, um, you know, kind of, Falling asleep, particularly being uh, problematic, and then some issues with staying asleep is, is certainly as well as can be very frustrating. Um, so when we have that uh, prior, when we might f- you know take ourselves to the doctors around if it's it's really that impacting of our of our lives. Um, previously, it might have been offerings of you know different. Um, uh, sleeping aids. So whether it's, you know, benzodiazepines in the past and now hypnotics, um, you know, so different classes of that. Now in America, at least um, they, the a uh, kind of mandate is now to first uh, first line up is to go to CBTI, so cognitive behavioral therapy specifically for insomnia, which does have a lot of success for a lot of people. So that's really an important um, option for many. Uh, I will say that some of the people that it um, tends to not be quite as effective with are the people dealing with you know really high anxiety and um, particularly if you go into so one of the protocols for CBTI is around. Um, Uh, sleep restriction therapy. So say if you're averaging around, whatever, four and a half hours of sleep a night, um, then you would be kind of limited to around that period of time to be in bed at night um, to really, you know, it's a challenging thing for... A short period of time. So, you know, you do it for a month and change and you work with someone, you have a whole strategy. Um, but for those of us that are really anxious, so this was part of my problem that it didn't quite work for me because I would get into bed and then start doing the mental math and then wait a minute, I'm not asleep, <laughs> but wait, okay. Now I only have three hours left. What? Oh no, this <laughs> is going to be awful. It just
0: gets worse and worse.
1: Yes, exactly. And I will, I will say that for some people, it is life changing. It can be amazing, particularly for people that don't have as much trouble falling asleep, but it's that staying asleep. Um, but also training yourself to like, Oh, this is what it's like to be tired when I get into bed. Cause you know, a couple nights of that, you're pretty quickly going to be exhausted by the time you get into bed. So the, yeah. the point is to kind of, to remind us and gain our confidence back up, um, uh, around, yes, I can fulfill on this cause it's kind of a performative act for some people. Um, you know, so, so there can be really great benefits That and then, if you're like me, um, and you know, just all those kind of that strategy or rules didn't quite land at least where I was at in my life at the time. Um, There's another one that I more tend to pull from for sleep as a skill, which is um, ACTI, so acceptance commitment therapy for insomnia. And so, a little less of um, some of the approaches for insomnia from CBTI. A lot of the articles that you'll hear are, you know, if you're awake for more than 15 minutes, you know, get up, go outside, um, you know, kind of Shuffle around, you know, put away some laundry, do light dishes, all that sort of stuff. Um, but for me, uh, you know, for some people, again, very empowering. Okay. Get me out of this bed. Um, you know, it's just sort of that approach. But for me, it didn't quite land because one, I knew I wanted to be sleeping. So I was almost just like mad that I was like lurking around to the house. <laughs> uh, and then particularly when I was traveling, it was really tricky because we would be in like a, um, Airbnb or there might not be a lot of that space to go somewhere else. Um, and so acceptance, commitment therapy was helpful because then it just had me step more into kind of accepting like, okay, I'm not asleep right now. And like the the resistance of the fighting it uh, acted kind of as a you know, Chinese finger trap of the less um, pressure I was putting on sleep mm-hmm. and the more I was able to kind of release from that trap. Um, so that one is another option for a lot of people that a lot of people aren't as um, familiar with.
0: Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out my website, mrproductivity.com for the date of my next live training to get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at mrproductivity.com. You brought up a good point is when you can't sleep and one of the things I do is my my phone is charging next to my bed. It's face down and my watch is on theater mode because like you, if I look at, oh my gosh, I'm not asleep yet. And I start doing the math. So I, I make sure I don't look at the clock. That's the number one thing. If I can't sleep, so I good. do not look at the time because that's going to cause stress. And what I realize if I can't fall asleep in five or 10 minutes, what I do is I get out of bed. I turn my light on. Again, it's a yellow It's forty watt bulb. It's really important. You don't want this like bright as the sunshine. And I'll read a print book uh, until my eyes get heavy. Or sometimes what I'll do is I'll do some breathing exercises. Or if it's really bad, what I'll do is I'll go take a warm shower. I read. I think it was in the doctor Matthew was it Walker Walker. Walker's book, Mm -hmm. and he said sometimes a warm bath or warm shower. So sometimes that works as well. But the thing for me is is don't get frustrated because you will eventually fall asleep. I know that you don't think you're going to fall asleep, but your body yes. will eventually fall asleep. You just got to get your mind off of not falling asleep. And for me, the number one thing that works the best is to go for that print book and just read a couple, usually it only takes a couple pages. Cause then my, then my brain is not thinking about not sleeping. It's not thinking about the time. It's not thinking about everyone else in the house is asleep, which is just my wife and my dog, but it just right. takes my mind off of that. I'm like, okay. My mind, okay, my mind says, okay, we're okay. Then I usually go back while asleep. But the worst thing, I never pick up my phone when I can't sleep. Never. Because that's the worst thing you can do. That's blue light. It's, you know, email, social media is getting you more anxious. And so you will go asleep and just, just take those suggestions. Do you have anything to add to what I do?
1: Yeah, I love that. Um, and it, again, like there's, it's so great that you've built up this arsenal of things because it really can empower us. So we're not just sort of at the effect of, oh, okay, how long is this night going to go on? No, instead we have all these uh, rundown of things we can actually take an action on. Um, another thing is that um, often we will find that people are just have these thoughts going and going, and yes. going, and um, you know, unless we kind of get them out in some way, shape, or form, then they tend to continue to plague us. So uh, even As low tech as a pen, you know, a pen and a piece of paper, um, just throwing all those thoughts out. I know it can sound so basic, uh, but the process of that from kind of a neurological perspective helps to uh, one, calm the brain. Because, and you made that great point too like, okay, we're okay, everything's, you know, it's the brain wants to just know it's safe, things are being handled, um, and we're the type of people that will deal with that. And that honestly, at the source of it, I see that for certainly myself and for a lot of clients that. Um, when we've gotten into the situation where we have this maladaptive relation with sleep um, often it can be just a series of kind of broken agreements to ourselves like broken uh, we've broken our word uh, time and time again where okay I'll, I'll handle that I'll call that person tomorrow <laughs> but then we don't call that person yep. tomorrow and so then the brain is like knock knock hello yeah. like when are we gonna handle these things so the more that we can start to okay fine I'm taking this action um you know putting this into when will I do it even saying like okay I'll handle handle that tomorrow at 9am. Um, it might sound so basic, but it helps the brain to kind of close that loop and then get that peace of mind. That's to what I was going to ask you.
0: It. And you yeah. write something down, your brain goes, okay, they've written it down. Now I can let it go. Is that, is that that's yes. neurological, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So really, we're bracketing that whole conversation of, um, okay, I got to make sure you know I have that meeting or set that up or whatever. And so by then putting it onto a piece of paper, which is in our brains, you know, kind of sense that, okay, we're taking an action. And then particularly by giving it a a, um, boundary around it, like, okay, a a time that I'm going to pick that up again in reality. um, So from that point, it knows it's going to have going to get handled. And then that's where we come into play. And if we're really committed to shifting this area, then we got to do that thing at 9am the next morning or whatever, because then we, our brain won't believe ourselves and kind of bankrupt of our words. So
0: exactly. So now we're, we're about 20 minutes in this episode and we have not addressed the elephant in the room. Now, you should have seven to nine hours of sleep at least seven hours. But I thought it was really interesting and I'd like you to talk about it a few minutes, even though you talked about it on part one that you can get now if you if you're sick, if you're recovering, you can get you need more sleep. But normal people, if they start getting ten eleven hours sleep every night, that's not good as well. That's just as bad as not getting enough sleep, right?
1: Yeah, that can be a whole other. So hypersomnia, um, and looking at, so rather versus insomnia. So hypersomnia, just getting a lot of sleep. Um, and then, so the, the question around that would be what, um, uh, often it doesn't always look for many people. Um, there's just real, uh, ups and downs with that. So it might be they're going to bed later, they're going to bed earlier, that's all over the place, roller coaster. Um, and and then they're logging these really long chunks of sleep. So uh, the question becomes, what is that quality of that sleep? And then often when you look at people that are, um, you know, with a polysonogram, what the results are, it's often not um, you know, as ideal as they could be. And so one, if, if that's an experience that people are having, uh, one, looking to see if that's mood related. Sometimes they're, you know, when we're dealing with depression or different parts of our lives and, you know, it can be a real coping mechanism for a mm-hmm. period of time. Um, so one, checking with that, but then two, are there any other underlying things? Um, could you, you know, be dealing with sleep apnea or different issues that are keeping you just feeling so exhausted and feeling that you need to get more of the sleep? Um, and then another, just really, monitoring the, uh, the timeline. So that hearkening back to that consistency, the importance of that, uh, that we mentioned before, because sometimes we'll see people kind of have short sleep, short sleep, and then these absurd, really long stretches of sleep. Um, and, you know, you often we'll see younger people doing that too, to try to manage, um, you know, their, their busy lives. And yet, with uh, it unfortunately ends up often catching up with us uh, during that process. And we think that we're doing a good service For ourselves, we're like, okay, so I've really been running myself low. I'm going to make up for this on the weekend. And I'll see clients, you know, in their early 20s. And then, oh, yeah, they'll show their sleep tracker in 13 hours, (laughs) you know, just these long (laughs) stretches of time. Um, So I think there's a better way for us to have them, you know, be able to have it all and really approach this as a lifestyle perspective.
0: I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I hear this a lot. I don't have time to sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead.
1: Oh God, that was my old mantra. <laughs> and I was so proud of it too for so long. And I really thought, you know, listen, I, you know, I, I'm big into self-development, you know, mindset, mind over matter. Like I got this. I know other people need that quote unquote they need the sleep. The lazy um, man,
0: the sleep. I don't have sleep. Yeah. I don't need that. Exactly.
1: Just, you know, it was like this running um, you know, play of YouTube videos or something. <laughs> Hustle hard, all that. Yep. And um, and yet unfortunately. Unfortunately, and I think that's part of why sleep is beginning to have a bit more of a spotlight put onto it right now. One, I think we're just all many of us are reaching a tipping point in society where there's just this clear need. But two, um, you know, I think it's something that it's finally uh, the gravity of when we have chronic sleep deprivation is beginning to uh You know, come to light. And then there's a number of studies relating to, we might've spoken about this on part one, uh, but just understanding lymphatic drainage. So uh, basically just uh, versus lymphatic drainage, lymphatic drainage is the process of kind of self-cleansing of the brain at night that happens during sleep. Mm -hmm. And in recent years, the discovery around if we're not doing that adequately, which tends to happen in the first part of the, of our night, then we're risking um, what seems to be really strong evidence for a correlation with neurodegenerative issues. So, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's dementia down the road. So once one that became one of those clear preventative um you know strategies then that's beginning a ton of press. Um, but then also as we're learning more about circadian rhythms and the uh kind of cascading impact that that can have across um, so many areas of our body if we begin to get that clock off course. Mm. So you know just even just a couple things that happen when we do that are hormonal um, balance becomes imbalanced in a lot of ways because body doesn't know even on a basic level when to produce cortisol, how much, uh, when to produce melatonin, how much, uh, as far as leptin and ghrelin. So keeping our, you know, kind of hunger and satiety levels at bay. Um, those tend to go awry. Glucose levels um, can go up when we have kind of chronic sleep deprivation. So we're going to be more ravenous and wanting to go for the fun foods, but then also having the the yep. spike and then the crash from that. And that can further uh, bring about anxiety symptoms, um, which all obviously those don't play well with sleep. So it's really wild um, snowball effect. And so the more that we're starting to understand this, particularly with trackers. So I have a lot of clients wearing, like I have it on me right now, the, uh, Um, continuous glucose monitor. And uh, once you see in real time that, oh my goodness, I've been not prioritizing sleep and now look at where things are for my glucose levels, um, it really, really can make a difference for people to start in real time shifting their behavior.
0: Let me talk to you or let me ask you a personal question about eating before bed. A lot of people say you should not eat before bed. I cannot eat. I cannot sleep if I'm hungry. So what I try to do is before I go to bed, I will drink like a, a muscle milk, which is like packed full of protein. Then I'll have a um, a protein bar, which is about 20, so I have like forty five, fifty grams of protein. If I don't eat a couple hours before bed, I will wake up starving. Now, am I weird or what? what are your What are your thoughts on eating before bed? I'm not. I'm not talking about yeah. cupcakes and ice cream and, sure. and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Well, number one, I acknowledge you for kind of noticing that, um, you know, that this is something that will kind of help stave off that any sort of crash. So, uh, what I would say about that is one, we want to definitely, definitely push to have, um, our last significant meals or our last kind of like dinner mm-hmm. serving, um, definitely earlier in the night. And there's a lot of interesting evidence that, cause for the, for quite some time, it's done around two hours before bed. Now we're talking even things like three and four hours, um, to begin. And some people even do more extreme than that. And so it's, it falls in the early time-restricted eating window. Uh, But again, this is all very bio-individual. You want to test it for yourself. But the thing that you're pointing to is really interesting as it relates to uh, wake-ups, during the night through because of glucose, particularly, um, crashes. And so when we have the glucose crash, then our body tends to result in cortisol and adrenaline of, Oh, you need this wake up and then you're up. Um, so, so when we do have a little bit of either like a fat or protein, um, before bed for people that are dealing with that, that can be really helpful to kind of sleep through the night. Um, so the thing that I would have people really look at is if they are doing that, um, the sizing for that, because we don't want the body to have to fully like kind of turn on the whole digestive process, because um, it's surprisingly taxing that... Um, doing that. So a couple of things that um, people will tend to go to, uh, an old Tim Ferriss hack from a long time ago was uh, um, almond butter before bed. But it, there are there is some interesting validity to things like that. So a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat. Um, and then it's not too, too much that you have to digest a ton, but it's enough um, in theory, depending on the person, to help with the, the blunting of that glucose drop. Um, another one can be testing MCT oil um, in tea or doing like bone broth. Um, cause you know, can also benefit from glycine and collagen and some people do collagen protein, um, in that too. So all ways to kind of point to what you're speaking to around that protein, something sus- um, that will sustain us throughout the night. And so it's that fine line of, yeah, not certainly don't want to be hungry before bed. Um, and you know so for some people they'll eat entire meals much more closer to bed Mm. um, and will come from it that you know I'm ravenous if I don't and one of the things that we do find too is if we start moving things back strategically um, over time then we do begin to adjust because if we think back to hunter-gatherer days um, the sun would set and it's total darkness and there's no refrigeration (laughs) like you know you're not going to go hunting (laughs) yeah no exactly so the for in that case then what was likely That we really couldn't eat past, and so that kind of is related to um, circadian rhythm, intermittent fasting, which is just like really post sunset, we're aiming not to eat too much. Um, And so that can be just that other strategy. I will say, with an asterisk, then you know, if we're living in kind of that type of um, paradigm, then what is likely is we're going to bed very shortly after sunset, and that might not always be the case here. So that's where we come up with some of these, you know, protein fats strategies.
0: Well, I do like uh, muscle milk has like. 25 grams of sh- protein zero sugar and the protein bar has 21 grams of protein three sugar so i'm only getting like three grams of sugar which is good you shouldn't have sugar yeah. before bed so i mean it has yes, worked for me call. and i I do have these about oh 60 to 75 minutes before i go to bed so it's not like right before mm-hmm. i go to bed i mean it's like sure. like i'm winding down yep. because i brush my teeth at 8:30, so i'm not going to eat it after I brush my teeth so it's yes. just it's glad to hear that you say that you know I may try some of these other ideas you gave us. So, um, yeah,
1: testing it out, and that's where the continuous glucose monitors are super interesting because it's a bio um, kind of individual. How uh, does it case. do that?
0: It just sits on your skin. How, how does that
1: work? Yeah, so it's uh, it's on the um, so on the back of your arm, and then it's uh, you basically just with one little uh, shot type of deal. It goes inside your arm. Oh, and you so said then- needle. You said
0: the bad word. Oh, I hate needles. <laughs> I know.
1: But it's so weird. It seems like something that would take so so long to do, it's be such a process. It literally the way they've set it up, you just press this button and then it's done. It's so weird. Uh, very easy, very user-friendly How and long I would on? say so 14 days um, is Oh, the you shower with and everything? Yeah. It stays on straight for 14 days. Wow. Um, and then that's the, that's right now the freestyle Libre. Um, but there's going to be a Libre 2 coming out. Also Dexcom is another great one, but uh, primarily for diabetics right now. But the Libre is 14 days. So even if you just did it for fortnight, you, you know, certainly you and anyone were to, I would really like if all of America were to do a continuous glucose monitor, even just for 14 days, it's just so eye um to start to see, Oh, Oh my gosh! Like even the same meal that I might have at eight a.m. is going to affect me very differently at eight p.m. And then also being connected to if I work out, it's going to spike differently. If I don't sleep well, it's going to spike differently. Uh, For women, at different ports times in our period, if we're menstruating, then that can spike differently. Uh, You know, there's a lot that goes into that. Not to mention stress. If I didn't already mention that, Uh, that one can really spike things.
0: Wow. Well, you know what? You delivered on part one, you delivered on part two. This is so fascinating. I want to thank you for being on the show again. A lot of information. Where can we go to find out more about you?
1: Uh, well, thank you so much for saying that. I'm so happy to be connected with you. And you know, since we had that part one, I've been following you on different social media platforms. You're always putting out so much amazing content. So I really appreciate the work you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, as far as finding out more, sleep as a skill acts as a really great bucket for all the things. So we have a free downloadable PDF um, called the Optimized Bedroom. So 18 strategic tips to kind of uh, reset your bedroom into from both low-tech and high-tech high-tech. So right in alignment with what you said about the importance of that, um, nice warm bulb and all kinds of things that are just can be, take something on the front end. But once you do it, then it sets you up powerfully for tons of nights of, you know, improved sleep. So that's for free. We have a weekly newsletter, um, Every Monday that comes out, I'm pretty obsessive personality. So it's called Molly's Monday Obsessions. Uh, <laughs> so it's all the things I'm obsessing about in the world of sleep. So all kinds of cool sleep news. Um, and then we also have online training courses, the podcast, uh, and a sleep assessment you can take to get like real human feedback on your sleep.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you again for delivering massive value on the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm glad our paths crossed. I am well uh, between you and Dr. Walker and Ariane Huffington's book, um, The Sleep Revolution. I know how serious and critical you know sleep is. So not as good as you, but I know enough, and I no, wish more you... people. I wish more people yeah. knew this because the secret to great health and success, I believe, is in the sleep. And uh, yeah. you've illustrated that. So, folks, go back and listen to part one with Molly. Then this one. Maybe listen to a couple times. There's a lot of gold here, Molly. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much again for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: And just before we go, don't forget to register for my next live training, Friday, September 18th at noon Eastern, going to be talking about planning your day, the why and the how register by clicking the link in my show notes or, and the banner of my website, MrProductivity.com M I S T E R Productivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast until we meet again, my friend go. Be productive.